Right, breakdown culture nuanas as always you can find this podcast skylinesportsmt.com coming to you on the evening of november 14th try to get these podcasts done a little earlier so you guys have a couple days to listen to them before the games are played and some of the analysis and interviews are a little bit stale it's hard because you know i got multiple full-time jobs out here but i can't complain we're uh, we're rolling right along it's been really fun doing what we do a lot of times we don't get our all our interviews done until today uh, and, or until even Friday, but here we are. We got them all done. So here we go. Big Sky Breakdown this week. Previewing Montana State at UC Davis. University of Montana hosting Weber State. First top five showdown at Washington Grizzly Stadium between two teams ranked in the top five in the regular season in Missoula since 1994. Great stat by Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizzlies. He tracked that one down. In this Big Sky Breakdown, started with Ryan Tutel and myself. Analyzing the psychology of Weber State, UC Davis, Montana State, and Montana. Ryan Tutel, ESPN Missoula. Glad to have him. Great analysis. We'll also share our interview from Tutel and Nuanas, our daily sports talk show that you can hear on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Dan Hawkins, head coach, UC Davis, really entertaining guy, and we always love having him on the show. Then we'll hear from Jadarine Clark. Former Weber State quarterback. Uh, he was the quarterback of the Weber State Wildcats team that came to Missoula and posted a 24-21 victory in overtime over the Grizzlies. That was Weber State's first win in Missoula since two- 1987, and they have not been back since. So great catching up with Jadri. He's uh, been a, a, a friend of this podcast for a long time. Been on here many times, and uh, it's always good to catch up with former players. And then we'll hear from three different Grizzly football players and the Grizz men's basketball coach, Travis DeCure, at the end. A little bonus interview as the Grizz prepare to take on Arkansas Razorbacks on Saturday. That game's kind of got lost in the shuffle with football in full force. But you know, first we'll hear from Josh Shandry, senior safety for Montana, as well as then a two-part interview, or I guess not two-part, a partner interview between Angel Villanueva and Cy Sermon, the two senior offensive linemen the Montana Grizz football team. Fun interviewing those guys. Fun interviewing the fifth-year seniors as their careers wind down. They've had a crazy time. They're coming to play uh, under Bob Stitt in his first year, not really knowing what they're getting into. Then, uh, you know, the unceremonious firing of Bob Stitt, the building of the Champion Center, the return of Bobby Howe. Three years in a row missing the playoffs. Here they are, knocking on the, the door of a playoff berth, and I think they probably got one. So they got a story to tell, no doubt. So we'll look forward to hearing from those guys. We'll hear from Travis Takir about Montana's trip to Arkansas. Big Sky Breakdown, as always, presented in part by Selway Armory and Town Pump. Selway Armory locations in both Missoula and Bozeman, your firearms expert. Whether you need a rifle, a handgun, ammunition, whatever you need, shop with Selway Armory for a year guarantee. You will find the best prices anywhere, especially compared to the big box stores. And Town Pump. You already know, no matter where you're at in Montana, there's a town pump near you. Whether you need fuel, beer, wine, snacks, something to drink, town pump's got you covered. Big Sky Breakdown. First up, Ryan Tutel, ESPN Missoula. Selway Armory on Black Friday is the one store you have to visit to save huge on guns, ammo, and accessories. Check out Selway Armory's insert in the Thanksgiving edition of the Missoulian before Black Friday to see all of the unbelievable inventory and savings they have in store for you. Put Selway Armory on your schedule and get there this Black Friday and Saturday for the sale of the year. Get to the store at the corner of Baxter and Jackrabbit in front of Big Sky Archery and Zero In. Selway Armory's Black Friday sale. Shop local. Save money. Shoot more. 
Hey, Big Sky Breakdown, Ryan Tutel coming back Howdy. at you. Been a minute. It has been a little bit. We've been tag teaming in and out. All these guys with their families and stuff, they got all these priorities. In my mind, they got their priorities twisted, but their wives would disagree with me. That's why I'm going to hell and they're going to heaven. That's here and over there. <laughs> uh, you guys only care about sports, and yeah. that's why we're here to talk to you do. about sports. Big Sky Conference race winding down to it, and here we are. First top five matchup between two teams ranked in the top five of the FCS polls in Missoula in the regular season since 1994. The last time two teams ranked in the top five played in Missoula, Dave Dickinson and the Montana Grizzlies blasted the Idaho Vandals in the battle for the Little Brown Stein. Here we are 25 years later, Weber State coming to Missoula. Number three, Weber. Number five, Montana Huge game, huge ramifications. And then on the other side of the Great Divide, well, Montana State, they get to go to sunshiny, warm Davis, California, my favorite town in the entire Big Sky Conference. And Bobcats have a huge game as well against a Davis team fighting for their playoff lives. Quite honestly, Montana State probably fighting for their playoff lives as well. And, Ryan, we've talked about this on Two Tell Nuanas a lot yeah. in the last several days. But what do you think of just the opportunity – that the two Montana schools have at their disposal right now. Because to me, we know that these are both huge games. They have playoff ramifications. But broadly, how big are these games in terms of the meaning for the individual programs when you're talking about Montana and Montana State? You know, it's it's interesting to me because we've talked about these games. Well, what if they both win? What if they both lose? What if it's one and the other? And what do we think is going to happen? How are these games going to go? But if you talk about this just from a, a straight mentality standpoint, you know, I grew up terrible at sports. For two reasons. One, I'm not athletic. And the other one, I have the mental like approach to sports that is just the most devastatingly horrendous that you could possibly have. Just playing in total fear that it was all going to go bad at any moment. And Why are just, you so confident on the radio? You know, I don't know, man. Because I'm confident in everything else that I do. But like when I like, I'm just like, I mean, I. I I mean, you. It's the same when we golf, and I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get into it. Just the point is, is like, I, 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 <laughs> I do want to get into it. This I can't is the best think. Part. I can't. I, I, I just didn't have the right mentality about it. But as I have seen and been around sports now my whole adult life, and watched the way that good teams and good players do go about it, going into this weekend. You know, you talk. We we in the media always talk about well, what are the nerves, or you know, what are the nerves surrounding playing in a game, this, that, and the other. But I think that if if you're doing it right, this is nothing but striking gold. Like you would give anything to play the number three team in the nation on the second to last weekend of the year. How great would that be? You would give anything to go to UC Davis, a team that was ranked number four in the nation to begin the season, and have an opportunity to cement a playoff spot on the road against a team that was favored over you. You know, and and, and I always tend to look through the lens of, you know, well, what could go wrong? You look at fans and stuff like that. Well, what, you know, how is my team going to figure out a way to lose this thing? But I think if if the coaches have done their job and preach, and this isn't like, oh, this week, hey, Friday, you turn everything. This is a mentality thing that goes back to fall camp. It goes back to, uh, you know, spring pr- spring practice, spring ball, and, and works its way all the way through. And I think to go into this weekend, both Montana schools should be chomping at the bit to get on the football field cannot wait to play in this football game, cannot wait to take what is, quote, rightfully theirs and all of that stuff. That's the mentality that they should have. 
And if they both do it, well, buddy, see you in Bozeman on the 23rd. Let's freaking go. When you cover teams close and in-depth like we do, you can analyze more than just the personnel, more than just the execution, the X's and O's, the coaching decisions. You can actually analyze the psychology of the programs, right. the mental state of where they're at. I think we'll get into a little bit of both the mental states of both Montana and Montana State here in a minute. But I think on the other side, Weaver State, their appearances in Montana have been few and far between. I don't actually think they've been to the state of Montana since you and I started working together. The last time they were in Bozeman was 2016. I started working with you in 2017. Yep. They haven't been to Missoula since 2015. So certainly I've been watching a lot of Weber State on television. That's what I can say. Pluto TV. You yeah. know what Stewart Stadium looks like on the live stream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's no doubt. it, though, right? Yeah. Very hard to gauge what the mentality of their program is, but knowing Jay Hill, knowing their players. We've probably actually, outside of, of Coach Choate and Coach Houck, been closest. I don't know if that's even the right word, but we spent the most time talking to, interviewing, being with Jay Hill of any other coach in the Big Sky Conference, I think. And honestly, that's by design. When, yeah. he, when he was first hired at Weber, I met him his the first time that they hosted Montana State down there. And that was in the midst of a 2-10 and ten season, but I was so impressed with his vision and his credentials. And so the next year at the Big Sky kickoff tournament that's held in Park City, but the golf tournament is held in Park City, I asked right. to play with him. Mm. One, because I wanted to get to know him. Two, because he's a freaking stick. Yeah. I knew he was going to straight win just, us the tournament. Just do it. <laughs> and we got put with the former Weber State golf coach, Jeff Schmidt. Schmitty, rest his soul, he passed away a year ago. One of the nicest guys you ever met. But we had our ringer putter, our ringer driver, and then me. And so we were we were in the mix. We were in the money. <laughs> but uh, I was so impressed with Jay Hill after that. And I, yeah. I told him, hey, you know, I'm starting this new venture, and I want to I want to cover you guys because I think you guys are awesome. I think that you're going to do a great job there. So we have. We've talked to him quite a bit. But that's not what I want to ask you about, though, because I think that the kind of stoic way that Jay Hill carries himself, the, the no-nonsense, not cocky, but very, very confident way that he goes about things, the, the understated and quiet demeanor that he has. When you see his players at the Big Sky kickoff and stuff like that, they're very much like that, too. I mean, you're not going for the outrageous sound bites at the Weber State table. You're going for the direct, we are here to win championships, we are focused, this is what we want to do as a program. They all have their marching orders. They all sound very much the same, and I think you would agree with that. I want to talk about the UC Davis side of this thing, though, because we talk so much just, about just Real quick, while we're on Jay Hill. You know who Jay Hill reminds me of? Robin Selvig. He Ooh, that's is, pretty interesting. He, and they're very different personality types, right? but the, the confidence to just be yourself and not and not project a persona, not have to do the coach thing. Just be like, no, this is this is good. This is good enough, and this is going to be great, and we're going to win doing it like this. Robin Selvig did that for thirty eight years, and he's you know obviously he's longer into life and retired and all of that. So maybe you work into some of that stuff later in life. But that's Jay Hill to me. He is a guy who's not going to be pushed or pulled into anything. He's just going to do it. The, do do the program the way he, he's going to do it because he is who he is, and there's not a lot of coaches, honestly, who are who they are. They're, they're, they're pretending they're trying to be something in a lot of cases. Yeah, and I think that he has that – he gets the toughness from the fact that he played for Ron McBride and started his coaching career under Ron, Ron McBride. If you ever talked to Ron McBride or seen Ron McBride's teams play, I mean, they go as hard as anybody – a lot of people would call them dirty. I thought they were awesome. I mean, they they just whoop your ass. And it, that that was Ron McBride at Utah, Ron McBride yeah. at Weber State. 
But Jay Hill also has a lot of Kyle Whittingham in him, too. I mean, I think Kyle Whittingham's the most underrated coach in FBS football. Kyle Whittingham's never ranked up there with the top coaches, but he's at the University of freaking Utah. I mean, I know they have good in-state recruits and stuff. I know Salt Lake City is a big town. And here they are, seventh in the country, week 10. I mean, mean, Salt Lake City is a big town because we live in the rural American West, but Salt Lake City is only like 400,000 people. It's not like Phoenix or something. (laughs) And. And they're right. way better than the teams that are in Phoenix. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like they have bad weather, and they're not in the. And Kyle Whittingham, he doesn't get his just due, but Jay Hill is very much like that. Yeah. So I think it's, it's an interesting analysis. But on the other side of things, you love Dan Hawk. Love him. I love I love Coach Hawk too. But I do think there's a lot of proven left to do. Mm. UC Davis caught lightning in a bottle last year. They had an absolutely tremendous talent who's now getting significant playing time in the NFL and Keelan Doss. They also had another. Superb talent in terms of at the FCS level with Mason Moyer, their edge guy, a year ago. And this year, you can talk about the schedule. They played North Dakota State. They played Montana. They played at North Dakota. They played Weber State. They played Cal. That's all fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, this is a team that was picked to win the Big Sky Conference. They have the postseason player of the year in the league last year in Jake Mayer, who was also the preseason player of the year in the league this year. They have Alonzo Gilliam, who is arguably at this exact moment, considering his availability and health, is the best running back in the Big Sky Conference. They have an array of receivers. They have a good offensive line. They have great players on their defense. Nick Eaton is probably going to be the freshman of the year in the conference. They have an elite corner in Devon King. They have an elite safety um, in Eric Flowers. And they're 5-5. Five and five. Right. The psychology of that, though, I think is fascinating. We're not around these guys every day. But high expectations, I mean, I think Jeff Choate said it at the Big Sky Camp. It was either Jeff Choate or Bruce Barnum. He said, find me the last team that was picked to win this league in the preseason that actually won the league. Right. And I think, that, I think that yeah. the weight of expectations has really been hard on UC Davis this year. Yeah, I think so. I also think the schedule has been hard on UC Davis this year. And as we talked about on the show, is it an excuse? Maybe. It's also real. And But, but also, if you were the number four team in the nation – bring them on you know again it's the mentality that you're going to have and clearly UC Davis is not in the upper tier of teams period they just aren't because they should have split the games against those teams at least or whatever if you're down 2016 in the Fargo Dome and then you have a very late error that loses the game for you but you still lose by nine and cover the spread by two touchdowns at NDSU then you just can't go get trucked by Montana and then lose the next week again at North Dakota you, I mean, got, you have to just figure out a way to either play close against Montana and beat UND or beat them both. You just do. You know, the UND, he, how many seasons has UND derailed this year? I, I know. Mean, that's we're still waiting so- to see Montana State. These two teams matching up. The, the UND game was the one that's the one where they look back and go, what happened? I know, and you've talked about how you think an 8-4 and four cat team gets into the playoffs, certainly. And that's an interesting thing because North Dakota doesn't play 12 games. They only play 11 because they're not in a league. Mm-hmm. And they only chose to schedule eleven games this year, three non-conference. Well, if they win out, which they're likely going to, they got Southern Utah and Northern Colorado remaining, so they're going to be seven and four. Montana State's going to be eight and four. Montana, North Dakota has, if the if, if the Cats split their last two, which I think is, if you were to handicap the scenarios, I think the most likely scenario for Montana State is to split their last two. I think that's more likely than sweeping or losing out. I got you. Yeah, I agree. But say that Montana State's 8-4, North Dakota 7-4. North Dakota has wins over UC Davis when they were ranked number 12 in the country, Sam Houston when they were ranked number 21 in the country, um, Montana State when they were ranked, I think, number 6. Now, they, they lost to Sac State the week before, but they were still Montana State was still top 12 or 13 team when they beat them. 
Montana State, they only have that win over Southeast Missouri State. And they'll have a win over UC Davis and or Montana. But I think if it's the UC Davis win and not the Montana win, then you're talking about, okay, they both beat UC Davis, but then UND has three other wins that are better than that. UND might steal that spot from Montana State. I don't think so. Let me ask you this. You know better than I do. Did North Dakota play an FBS opponent this year? We'd have to look and and find out. No, you, they did not. They played North Dakota State. It's better. Okay. Well, <laughs> it, it is better, but you know what? It's worse for them because it counts. Montana no State played Texas Tech. So even though they're 8-4, and four, if they split, they're 8-3. Eight eight and, and they have something going for them that North Dakota should, by the way, after a three-point loss at Weaver State, but does not. They're ranked. And they're not just ranked. They're ranked in the top 10. North Dakota's unranked at the moment. So even though with two convincing wins, they'll probably jump back into the top 25 at this very moment. It's 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 Mont- Montana State is going to get that even with a head-to-head loss in the Fargo Dome. Or back, excuse me, in, in Grand Forks. The Grand Forks, yeah. the Alaris Center. Yeah. Back to the UC Davis question. Yeah. Has this been just a failed expectation? I mean, Dan Hawkins admitted on our show, to tell Nuanas, that his team felt the weight of expectations mm. against Montana. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. If, if, you, if you just play close in the Grizz game, then you probably win the UND game the next week. Who knows? I mean – Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I feel like you could get one win out of those three if it wasn't for the weighted expectations, as well as maybe a little bit too big for your britches coming off of a close loss in the Fargo Dome. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they were too bri- too big. Well, coming off of that, listen, if you're getting too big for your britches coming off a loss, there's a real problem there. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe maybe that's part of it. I do think when the philosophy works it really works and when it doesn't work it 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 fails uh it's it's a it's a it's a feast or famine ideology i think in terms of the result i love dan hawkins because i'm a holistic guy right like if you're going to ask me to go for 4 years to a place and go to college and live a life and part of that life is playing football a significant part of it is playing football you're going to be hard-pressed to sell me on something better than Dan Hawkins at UC Davis. I mean, that is just like prime time, and you're going to look back on that and go, wow, okay, how great. And we've talked about what a potential hotbed that could be when the, with the endowment that they have and the student body that they have and the place that they are and the state that they're in, what that program could grow into, and it, and it still may. But if you're talking to me about just straight football – I mean, who's going to argue with Bobby Houck and Jay Hill, right? I mean, that's if you if if you're here to to, and I'm not saying that's all these guys are up to. I mean, we know that Bobby Houck cares, really cares about academics. He wants to get his guys through, get them graduated. Jay Hill has a bunch of stuff that he's invested in. With a, a lot of guys are, but like, don't kid yourself. We're we're here for one reason. I mean, what did Cy Sermon say to you? Why put in the time? Why stick it out? Why do this? Why jump to the offensive line from the defense? Winning, winning. That's it. That's what we're here to do. Now, is that good? Let's go all the way down the rabbit hole. Is here. that a good thing? I don't know if it is, but it gets you. It gets you wins. It, it, it's it's arguable if it's a good thing or not for society, right? For the development of young men. Yes, I think it's inarguable that if you want to win at a highest level in college football, that's ha- what it has to be about, and that's what it has to be about exclusively. Let me ask you this: Is that what Dabo is about? I think that Dabo Sweeney talks a great game. I think he knows how to recruit to fun times and all that, but at the end of the day, it's about winning. Totally. It is here's, about here, here, but, here's, but there's multiple I, ways to be about winning. Is no, my there's point. no doubt. But right? you have you have to prioritize winning over everything else. Mm. Like I've seen this throughout the years 
especially in recent years, at multiple schools in the Big Sky Conference. If a guy has a hard major and he has to take a lab that falls during practice time, he misses practice and he goes to the lab. And again, that's a good thing in terms of the state of society and this kid getting an <laughs> right. education. Right. When Bobby Houck was winning 47 out of 53 Big Sky Conference games, you know wonder how many guys had class after 2 o'clock in the afternoon? Zero. 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 Not even number 99 on the roster, the walk-on from Broadus, Montana. No chance. Yeah. You were at practice, taped. This is what times practice is at. There's no changing the practice schedule. You will be at practice. That's how you win. I just I think you have to right or wrong, you have to prioritize winning at totally. a high level. And 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 I and I'm with you. And you know, when it comes to the winning thing, I don't you know, I don't know what Hawkins deal is. And look, if you want to talk about skipping labs, well, you're probably not gonna skip your labs at UC Davis. You're probably not gonna skip your labs at Cal Poly, you know? Or Montana State for that. Or Montana matter. State. Right. That's why Montana has an advantage because they have a lot of Landing pad majors that don't have laps. Okay, okay then. Yeah. Give me your psychological analysis of the Bobcats before we get you out of here. I always hog the mic. This is my 10th season covering the Bobcats. They have taken me on such a (laughs) roller coaster ride of everything that I've been able to experience covering the program in so many great and weird and disappointing ways. But it's been fascinating. I love covering them. But, you know, you're a guy – Here's the thing, everybody. This Kakarus week's coming up. We're we're less than ten days out. Everybody's always like, "What are you guys going for? Are you going for the Cats or the Grizz?" And we tell people they, everybody. The cliche in the rivalry is, "You're either a Cat or a Grizz." And I think that almost every single person that's listening to this podcast, that's true. It's true for you. But you guys got to understand about Ryan and I is that we have Montana roots, but we're not like our parents lived a long ways from Montana for a lot of their mm-hmm. adult lives mm-hmm. and we grew up in places that weren't Montana until we moved here and i remember going and watching the grizz play the national championship game at the wilma in 1995 i also remember the very first time i watched the bobcats when i was like 11 years old and i was like well man i'm going to watch the cats and the grizz every weekend this is sweet there's two teams from montana great there is no real allegiance but but you're a guy that has been in missoula you sp- you've never lived in bozeman but i've lived in both towns that's right i've never but, lived but, in so yeah. you haven't had a, a front a front porch seat so to speak that's right but you have gotten to really know the cat program the last couple of years working alongside me you know a lot of the people in the athletic department the administrators the sports information guys but well the, just so just so we're clear i never went to montana or montana state i went to college out of state nobody in my immediate family went to either of the Montana schools until my brother went for his second bachelor's later as a, as an adult or whatever, and as just incidentally because he was living in Missoula. My grandfather attended Montana State. My great-grandfather attended and was a professor at Montana State. Uh, I have a cousin who went to both Montana and Montana State. Point being, uh, even though I moved to Missoula in 1992 and have lived most of my uh, life in the city of Missoula, it's been relatively detached from the University of Montana, such and certainly detached from a you know from a fandom standpoint over and against Montana State because I frankly come from a family that's got both uh, running running through it. Point being, uh, you're absolutely right. But when you ask me what is my psychoanalysis of the Bobcats, I mean people can't see because I just looked off into the wall because that's a great question and I'm trying to think about what it is. And you know what it you know what it is to me I think there are a lot of things I think I think they're tough I think they are um, really talented I think that they are um, 
I think they have huge potential. I think they I think they're a top ten team in the nation. I think they are that. I don't think that's fake. But at the end of the day, I think they're unstable. They're un that is my like meta narrative about what the Montana State Bobcat football team is, and it starts at the top and permeates through the staff and then into the players. They're unstable. And the it expresses itself actually occasionally positively, even though that word itself is a negative one. The positive expression is that they're they're various. I mean, they do so much stuff. And you know, Jeff Choate, we, you listen to the press conference on Monday, talked about eighteen guys score touchdowns and how many different guys have done this and they five human these, beings five, have thrown five, touchdown five passes. human beings thrown touchdown passes and all that. And on and some of that stuff is like great, perhaps even innovative, certainly probably necessary given their say but also they have not montana i mean I, montana has con, consistently just they they've been the same team basically every week the the one exception is probably sacramento state but sacramento state's really good i mean if you run into a team that's just better than you are which sacramento state was uh, then you lose that football game, and it didn't go well for Montana. But basically, every single week, it has been the exact same football team rolling out there doing the exact same thing. For Montana State, it, it win, lose, or draw, the variety of what I'm seeing on the field, even within the same game, utterly different. Like, Montana starting slow and then finishing in the second half, that isn't Montana playing bad and then playing good. That's them playing steady. Playing steady and coming out and having a plan, and, plan. B- and 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 going through it for a game, coming out and throwing a pick six and going down twenty eight seven to Northern Arizona is playing shit football, and then in the second half scoring thirty eight or whatever that's playing badass football, and they can do both and do both in the same games often unstable. That's what I think, and I think that ultimately it will. That's what's going to come back to bite them. It may not be in the regular season. If it, they may, they could go two and zero in the next two weeks. They really could, but they're going to lose a game that they got to have, and it is going to be, it is going to be a mistake. I think rather than just a team that's better than them that gets them. That's that is the issue to me. Isn't it ironic that their stability finds its footing when they're backed in the corner? It is interesting, right? Yes. They aren't. Uh, they they play like badass motherfuckers when it's time to go. Yeah. Look at the Cat Grizz game the last three years. Yeah. I mean, they've been as stable as they come as far as planting their feet and swinging. Yeah. Blow for blow for blow for blow. They never got scared when they were down 22 nothing last year at Washington Grizzly Stadium. They're one of the most fascinating psychological analysis of any team I've totally. ever covered because you're right. The the talent. Just proliferates the roster. They have more dudes than anybody in the league, in my opinion. They just don't have dudes at the positions that everybody watches. That's the issue. It's, it, it's true, and I'm I'm with you on this. Like when you said this today earlier, when we were just talking, if he if he is within if he's seventy five percent or better, health wise, Troy Anderson is going to play quarterback in the Cactus football game, and maybe after that too, and maybe after that, and if he does that. Coin flip. I mean, it's going to be a health football no, game. No, when no. It, when it, it's going to be so – because he actually is the stabilizer. 
Like it's supposed to Isn't be. Isn't that the truth? Is it supposed to be the coaches that are the stabilizer? He transcends all of it. That's right. He transcends all the chaos. Give me the football and let me put my thigh in somebody's face. And you can be inconsistent because you just know that Troy Anderson is going to. I mean, he's the most surefire. I'm going to score you a fucking sixty yard touchdown every, every time, time yeah. that they play. It's, it's unbelievable. It's crazy. Yeah. One more point on the Cats, and then I want to ask you one more question. Then we we'll get you out of here. Yeah. People talk about playing weak opponents and blah blah blah, blah and I think that that's a you know. That's just going to be a storyline in the league until the league figures it out and gets some semblance of consistency in the scheduling. Because right now, especially because there's like the bad teams are more bad this year than they've been in a little while, mm. and so you know, I mean, it's, it's just almost no doubt. Like Montana State was going to beat Southern Utah, and Northern Colorado. They were just going to beat them. North Dakota's going to beat. I mean, stamp it. North Dakota seven and four. They're seven and four. They're going to win the next two games. Whoever gets Idaho State for the last two weeks. Congratulations. I mean, Weber State, they got this game, and then they got Idaho State. Yeah. Nice little warm-up. It's like when Looks Alabama, like a dub for Weber like, next week. It's like week. when Alabama yeah. plays Gardner-Webb or the Citadel <laughs> or whatever the week before they play Auburn. Like, great. Right. Yeah, nice little tune-up. But the one thing that, I mean, like last week, watch Montana State against Northern Colorado. Two points. One, I don't care what team you're playing. If you rush for 450 yards against somebody, you are kicking their ass. Yeah. But also, when you watch their line – I mean, everybody's been waiting for Lewis Kidd to play like he looks. I mean, the guy he, the guy looks like an NFL offensive lineman. He's 6'6", 300 pounds, yeah. flat stomach, yeah, burly beard, big hair. I mean, hands the size of Andre the Giant. I mean, he's an he's a enormous man. And he's always been this happy-go-lucky guy who's been kind of just solid because how are you going to move him? He's a giant, but he hasn't been trucking people. He was plowing people last week, trucking mm. them. Mm. The line play, the way that they've dominated on the lines – both sides, yeah. Last two weeks, a huge positive, no doubt for me. So I think that even the, with the the wins being a little bit, you know, maybe lackluster, I think Montana State does have it on the right track in terms of how they are playing compared to how they need to be playing. Agreed. So my last question for you is this: you got two weeks left. Projections, prognosticating, it's what we love to do. We go back and check two tell Noirs for podcasts as far as the scenarios of what happens if this team does what and what we maybe predict might happen or whatever. But regardless, the barometer for success for these two teams, we would agree, is making the playoffs, absolutely. I think the Grizz are already in. I think with one more win, the Cats will be in. Agree with you on that. Beating each other in the Cat-Grizz game, if they both have already punched playoff bids, it actually lessens the impact of totally. the Cat-Grizz game in terms of the broad scope of meeting expectations. Mm-hmm. But after that, knowing what you know about each program right now, what is your barometer of success? What does Montana State have to do to to ensure everybody that follows their program that they have taken the next step? And what does Montana have to do to ensure to everybody that follows their program that they have taken the next step? Well, I think, honestly, that Montana has already done that. I mean, Montana has taken the next step. They're they're eight and two. They're number five in the nation. They're going to the playoffs. They haven't been in the playoffs in four years. Now, whether that's success on the season, like right now, if they lost their next three games, it would be a, a disaster for the Grizzlies. Right at this point, that would be that would be horrendous. But when you talk about going to the playoffs for the first time in uh, you know four seasons. They've already taken the step that that people wanted to see them take. If they lose two games in a row, say they get whipped by Weber and they lose to the Cats mm-hmm. for the fourth year in a row, mm-hmm. and then they get, you know, University of San Diego or Incarnate Word at home, and they drill them, and then they go to NDSU and they get blasted. Is that success? Well, if they lose the next two, I mean, it. 
like I said, it's already success in the sense that Montana is going to the playoffs and and presumably thereby hosting a playoff game. That matters on so many levels in this community, man. I mean, you talk about the financial impact, just the psychological impact, everything else. Uh, having something to look forward to after, if you were to lose to Montana State for a fourth, you know that's been the hardest thing for Montana. Not only are they losing the Bobcats, the last game of the season. That's it. Go home. I mean, that's unbelievable right there. So you wouldn't have that this year, which I do think would dolen that to a certain extent. If they lose the next two games, it's it's a disaster for Montana, period, period. But I don't think that means that they won't have thought that they've taken the next step because they're in the playoff. But right now, what's success for the Grizzlies? I mean, I would certainly say that still a a, a quarterfinal appearance is is success. Like if you're in – actually, I mean, if you're in the round of 16 – whether it's a, on a buy or whether you win a, a, a game in the, you know in the non-buy round, um, you've you've gone a long ways. I think that's true for Montana State, except they were there last year as well. Um, a lot of it is matchup based. Like whenever you run into North Dakota State, and that's not really up to you. It sort of changes the. You can say, "Oh, well, if you don't make it to the semifinal, it's not a success." Well, guess what? If you play North Dakota State in the round of sixteen, you're probably not going to the semifinal. So all of a sudden, you have to sit there and pump the brakes and go, "Well, you know, thirty twenty four against NDSU, shh, pretty good." You so know, under, undertold story of the Big Sky Conference too, because the playoff seating after the first couple rounds is based on regional regionality, right? And so who's in the region? You got to be out of the Big Sky. North Coast State's gonna be the one. Yeah. So you gotta be the two or the three to dodge them, just like Weber and Eastern was last year. Mm-hmm. Because say, you know, like Davis got a bad draw last year being the sixth seed, but then they had to play at Eastern and they had already played Eastern, they already lost Eastern, so then, you know, it's a familiar opponent. But regardless, they would have been they would have also been on the other side. But you just have to avoid being on that side. Totally. But you're gonna have a higher what I'm getting at is you're gonna have a way higher chance of being on North Dakota State and South Dakota State's side because you're in the West. Totally. And so anyway, I mean so I, I would say that the the success from this jumping off point for both teams is probably the, the 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 quarterfinals, the round of eight. That means winning two playoff games if you don't have a bye, and it means winning one if you do have a bye. If you get into the final eight, that is that is significant progress. I think I think both coaches, frankly, have even higher aspirations than that this season. Absolutely, I think Bobby Alex final four or bust or more. So there, and whether that's rational, here, here's what I'm interested in: if and when Montana plays North Dakota State, what's because the North Dakota State game, make no mistake, was an eye opener for Jeffrey Choate. Like when Choate and Montana State played at North Dakota State, oh, okay, so that's the gap. And Bobby Houck has not played against North Dakota State since yeah, Bobby Houck hasn't played against Weber North State. Dakota State. Right, right. Point being, exactly. That's a whole. So thing that's, that's so all still out there. It's also out here. I mean, that's the thing. That Weber right now, if Weber just straight just punches Montana in the face and just whips them at home, yeah, that could change uh, the whole narrative of the season. Even though it has been by and large a successful one, that has been better than a lot of people thought. Totally. Phenomenal conversation. Love as it as always, Ryan Tutel. Big Sky Breakdown. Check back. We'll have many, many, many Big Sky Breakdowns this week, next week into the playoffs. 
I mean, hell, we're going to keep doing this, even if the whole world implodes. Hey, man, we're going to be doing it on the road. Remember we podcasted into the into the uh, uh, recorder while we were driving over the divide last year? So yeah, we're going to do it again. Love it, love it, love it. Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Selway Armory. We're heading to Bozeman next weekend. Go to that new Selway Armory. It's great. Beautiful. Great new place with awesome inventory. Great, excellent advice from firearms experts. Take the Selway Armory Challenge. Shop with Selway Armory for a year. Guarantee you. You're going to find the best prices anywhere, especially compared to the big box stores. And you mentioned that drive. I'm sure we'll be hitting up a town pump all the way along the way. Can't wait. Anybody coming to Cacarius, hit up a town pump. Bozeman, Missoula, anywhere in between, no matter where you're at in Montana, there's a town pump food store near you. Ryan Tutel, thanks so much for being with us. Bet. It is the fiercest rivalry in college football, and on November 22nd, Universal Athletic, Uptop Clothing, and ESPN Missoula will team together to bring you a special edition of Tutel Nuanas. Broadcasting from the Universal Athletic headquarters in Bozeman, swing into Universal Athletic and check out the Montana Football Hall of Fame. Get your Grizz and Bobcat gear and hear the best sports talk radio in Montana previewing the 119th rendition of the historic rivalry. Universal Athletic and Uptap Clothing are passionate supporters of athletics around the great state of Montana. All right, we go now to the Rankish Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in the head coach of the UC Davis Aggies who host Montana State in the second-to-last weekend of the Big Sky Conference season, Dan Hawkins. Coach Hawkins, thanks so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. How are you? I'm great. How's life up there? Well, we're doing great. We knew you'd be great because you're always great. I mean, that's the philosophy, <laughs> right? And, and, and every day is better than the one before it? Well, we're trying to make it that way. I don't know. Sometimes I, you know, I don't always do a good job, but I'm trying to make it that way. Well, no doubt. Well, let's talk about this season a little bit. You guys uh, came off such a phenomenal year last year and had, you know, really lofty expectations, had a very, very tough schedule, a couple of of FBS teams, NDSU, and then the Grizz back-to-back. You've kind of turned it around here, you're 5-5, five and five, and still have a look at this thing. Where are you at in the course of this season right now and as you look out the last two weeks of the, of the regular season? Yeah, our kids have battled. They really have. Uh, I've been happy with our effort and uh, resolve and all that. Um, life is, is defined, I think, by the details and the little things, and it doesn't mean that you know you, you discount effort at all, but I've, I've been on the other side. Shoot, when you look at last year, uh, very could have ended up similar to this year so uh got to be able to capture a little ground in some of the details but shoot our guys have they played hard uh they prepared well we battled um and yeah we're, we're still alive here i mean we have to we have to do some things for sure but you got to rank bobcat team and sac state is playing great and they're ranked and uh you'd hope if if we do which Hey, if ifs and buts were candy nuts, we'd all have happy holiday. But I mean, we've got to <laughs> we've got to finish, and if we can finish, uh, I, I think we we deserve to be a playoff team. But uh, we're we're like every other coach and every other program. It's Tuesday, and we're trying to get ready for Montana State, and we'll worry about that other stuff later. You guys have won three out of four after that three game losing streak to three really good teams. Uh, but since then, you guys have been playing really well. What, where has your team turned the corner? What have you liked in their improvement? What has been the key to the improvement? Hey, we played great in those losses. Right. I mean, we, you, if you give us, I would say games come down to three plays. If you give us one play against North Dakota State, we beat the Bison in Fargo. We beat them in the Dome. If you give us one of three different plays. And uh, so we played great there. And we went to North Dakota. We played great there and, and lost a close game. So – um, it's not that we didn't, you know, we play bad. 
really, really the, against the Grizz, who, you know, Bobby did a great job. He outcoached me and they outplayed us. I think really that's the only game for us that I think as you go through a growth in a program, just handling sometimes expectations. And normally our guys play with a lot of joy in their heart and have a lot of fun. And I really thought for whatever reason, that game was the one game in my tenure here that sort of the expectations maybe got to us just a little bit. Cause I just, I don't think we had as much fun as we normally do playing. Um, we're not really as relaxed. Um, like I said, our guys always work hard. But, shoot, other than that game, I've been really happy with with what's gone on. I mean, you've had games where they've scored more points than we did. But uh, I'll, I'll put our effort and what we did in Fargo in the Dome against the Bison up against what anybody's done with them. And, and I think most people would tell you that's the best Bison team in the last – I know I've seen them the last two years in the national championship game, and this year's team is the best team I've seen them. Coach, usually by week 10, we feel like we got a pretty good pulse on a lot of teams. We've been covering them. Montana State is the only team I've ever covered that I know less about in the 10th week than I knew about in the first <laughs> week. I don't, I can't make heads or tails of Montana State sometimes what they do. When you look at them and as you game plan for them, what stands out to you uh, with this team, and what, what's your assessment of them in general? Well, you know, Choder's always going to have those guys playing hard. They're going to be really well coached and uh, get after it. You know, they're a strong physical team. Um, obviously, a variety of ways of running the ball and a bunch of different guys playing quarterback um, or lined up at the quarterback position um, and give you a lot of problems that way and defensively. Real solid, um, good tacklers, physical, strong, aggressive team. Really solid special teams. Um, so I and I don't know all the ins and outs of maybe what's going on for them. I don't know if you guys trying to, to figure them out. To me, they've they've kind of always been that way. Now, so sometimes injuries uh, kind of curtail people maybe what they want to do a little bit. But hey, this this is a well polished football team, and they're another team that can could make some damage in the playoffs if they get in because they can run the ball, they can stop the run, they're sound on special teams. Let's talk run games on both sides in this matchup. First of all, your great running back, Alonzo Gilliam, he's coming off a 242-yard effort. He's the only big sky running back over 1,000 yards this season. I know that Jake Mayer gets a ton of the headlines when it comes to the offense, and justifiably so. He's a wonderful kid. We've had him on the show multiple times, and he's excellent to talk to. But Alonzo, to me, is such a diverse and dynamic running back. Why is he playing so well right now? It, it really is uh, phenomenal. You look at uh, obviously, um, you know, we had the Offensive Player of the Year last year in Keelan Doss, and, I mean, Lonzi's touched the ball way more than, than Keelan ever did, and, and Lonzi's got 41 catches as well. I mean, he's this kid's got a lot of skill now. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, and we've had some injuries at running back, too. He played two games this year where he played every snap on offense, every snap at running back. Did not come out of the game, and uh, he's tough. He's really tough. Uh, he's elusive. He's tough to tackle, um, but he he just can do a lot of different things. Um, he may not be, in a sense, the burner. Although we had a long run for a touchdown against Portland State the other night, but he's super super productive and he's slippery and he's tough to tackle. He's tough to get down in the open field and, like I said, he's got a good combination of toughness and football intelligence and ability to catch the ball and real versatile player. 
Dan Hawkins joining us. He's the head coach of the UC Davis Aggies. UC Davis hosting Montana State, 4 o'clock Pacific, 5 o'clock Mountain on Saturday. And when you look at the other side on the Bobcat run game, they've had six different guys go over 100 yards rushing in a single game this year. They come at you in waves. Even the last couple weeks, they've had even more guys get involved in the run game. Guys who hadn't even touched the ball the first couple months of the season are all of a sudden getting jet sweep and fly sweep plays. What do you see out of Montana State's run game that makes it diverse and hard to stop? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's it. They all kind of do. I mean, it's, they they can run option out of it, which they do. But then it really is, becomes a really a lot of legitimate quarterback run games. So it gives you another blocker uh, and creates another gap in there that you got to try to figure out. And then they've got enough eye candy and confusion with running fly sweep and uh, some of the action off of that. But they use a lot of players. Um, a lot of them have a lot of skill. You got some big, strong, physical guys, or some more. Other faster guys, I mean, they just keep coming at you in waves. Coach, normally, you know, all, all, all teams have, you know, a guy or two that kind of stand out, but Troy Anderson, particularly for Montana State's a guy who's used in as many variety of ways as any I've ever seen and is maybe better than any I've ever seen in the Big Sky Conference. When you take a look at him on the field offensively, defensively, what stands out to you about, about him? Well... Yeah, pretty cool. I'm an old small school guy. I had about 140 kids in my high school, and you played all every position and right. played special teams. And then you, you know, you played basketball, and then you ran track, and then you went over and played baseball. And I mean, I love those throwback guys. I love those guys who can do everything and um, super talented. Can run. He's big, physical, athletic. Uh, you know, just a fun guy to watch. Uh, kind of a throwback dude because he can do a lot of things for you. You've been coaching a long time. Do you remember anybody? I mean, Troy Anderson has had two different, I, I guess actually three times this season where he scored a touchdown on offense and then on the ensuing defensive possession gotten a sack. Can you remember anybody like that in your coaching career? Well, it's hard anymore because people always box people in and say, oh, yeah, this guy, he's, he's a receiver, he's a tight end, and they don't, they don't move him around. I think you look at Bill Belichick sometimes and he'll play his – best linebacker at tight end and he'll play his best receiver at DB and I think sometimes we overthink it a little bit trying to get your best people on the field and I, I give Choder a lot of credit for for using that way. When you look at Montana State's defense they've been really good the last several they've been really good all year but they've been particularly good the last several weeks I think they've only given up three offensive touchdowns in the last three games so uh, that unit what do you think they're doing well how do you think your offense matches up against the Bobcat defense well there's coming together really well uh, playing real solid like I said they're not going to make errors they're big strong fast physical they're going to run to the ball uh, they're very good tacklers you can't get them out of position you've got to play real football against them so not an easy test by any means in your defense what have you liked about the progression you've made I know you're playing some young guys there it seems like Nick Eaton has really made a huge splash he's been conference player of the week a couple times as just a redshirt freshman so what do you liked about his performance, and what do you thought of that unit overall so far this season? Yeah, Nick, he's another kid that just really uh, excelled on offense in high school as well. Um, really athletic, got a good smile, good energy, uh, fun to be around, plays hard. Um, but we use a lot of guys over there, and I think we have guys that, again, have a high football intelligence, and uh, we try to use that to some degree. And I've been playing a lot of guys. And using a lot of guys over there, and uh, as you well know, man, in this conference, it's <laughs> those poor defensive coordinators. I mean, you <laughs> go from seeing the triple option to Montana State to seeing teams. 
spread out. I mean, you get, I mean, it's it's a different card game every week. It's it's tough. It's hard to it's hard to stay up with it. Well, coach, we know that the uh, the number one barometer for how you're doing is staring back at you in the mirror. So we hope that you play with some joy this weekend and the next couple of weeks. It'd be a blast to have Davis back in the tournament again. I love the program, obviously, what you're doing there, and and uh, and we wish you the best the last couple of weeks as we see uh, how this thing plays out. All right. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, we'll play hard. We'll play well. I don't know what that means, but we'll do those things for sure. Coulter, the weather has turned. It is gnarly out there. It's gnarly on the roads. But in Montana, that doesn't keep us home. We go everywhere we got to go. You and I always travel in for football. I'm going to be headed to some other places for Christmas, all this kind of stuff. You know what gives me comfort? I know that I'm always about 11 feet from a town pump superstore. I mean, no matter where I am in the state of Montana, you got gasoline, you got all the refreshments you need, the kids got to have, you know, a, a, a packet of gum, some chips, some water to keep them going, to keep them satiated and satisfied in the backseat. And you know what other S word? Silent. Shut them up, those kids. You go to town pump and you got yourself some peace and calm in the van ride. I, sh- I should pay them $1 million for what they've done for me. I always hit up that town pump right when you get over Homestake Pass. I write in rocker there because yeah. I always run out of the spray fluid for the windshield. And the mm. semis are spraying on you. When it gets cold and icy and snowy like this, you got to have the right fluids in your car. And Town Pump's got that covered as well. And sometimes you need a beer for after the drive. So get yourself a six-pack, drink it when you get home, behave yourself. But it is. It's a great place no matter what you need. Fuel, food, caffeine, water, anything. And who knows, maybe you throw a dollar in the machine, you walk away a winner, too. I mean, you got all these different ways to recreate, stretch your legs on the highways. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a town pump near you. Town pump, Montana's best since 1953. Well, happy to welcome in now uh, former Weber State quarterback Jadrian Clark, who is now just outside of Stuttgart, Germany, playing European football, uh, which is uh, fantastic. Jadrian, thanks for joining us from Germany. We really appreciate the effort here to uh, connect in with us. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on today. Well, we're certainly happy to have you on. Uh, we'll get into the game this weekend and your time at Weber State. You were quarterback in the Wildcats the last time they won in Missoula. Big, big game this weekend. Uh, top five matchup in the FCS. But i got to start with you and playing football in Germany and in Europe. What's it like? I mean, we remember NFL, you know, Europe or the World League and that kind of thing. What's going on from a football standpoint now, though, on the continent? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of transformed ever since then. Uh, things are definitely different from back in the NFL Europe days, but uh, uh, it's definitely uh, still got a, a lot of fans, and it's a, a really big atmosphere, and it's really cool to continue playing professionally over here. What was that process like? I mean, how did you find out the details about playing over in Europe, and, and how did you get over there? How did you get recruited, signed, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so I originally had a few uh, tryouts with a couple teams once I finished up at Weaver State. Nothing of it came about. I uh, thought my career might be over. Time to get a nine-to-five. Uh, but fortunately, I was reached out to by a few teams over here. Uh, one of the coaches really was able to connect with me well and convince me on giving it a shot. Came over, had a really good first year, and then after that was signed by probably the top team in all of Europe. And now I'm playing here, and I'm, I'm really loving it. This is my third season just concluded and re-signed to play with them again to next year. Is it uh, same? Is it American rules football? I mean, same same game you've been playing your whole life. Yes, yeah, so it's the same exact rules as NCAA. Uh, there, you 
can only have two Americans on the field at any time. Interesting. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. They kind of make you a little bit of a star out here, and uh, that's kind of uh, it's a matchup game in a sense. Who's the other Who's the other American that, that is usually on the field with you? Uh, it's a receiver. His name's Tyler Rutenbeck. Uh, he had a brief stint with Indianapolis Colts and Washington Redskins. He's a really talented guy and really fast. So probably the fastest guy I've ever played with. So it's really nice having somebody so talented to throw the ball to. Well, uh, that, that's pretty – where did he play college ball? Uh, he played at a Division three school in Iowa. Uh, mm. Kind of a smaller school prospect, but found his way out here. Nice. Uh, Jadrian Clark joining us. He was the uh, Weber State Wildcats quarterback uh, from uh, 2013 through 2016. And we want to talk to you today, Jadrian, because Weber State plays Montana in Missoula this weekend. It's a three-versus-five matchup in the nation. And the last time Weber State beat Montana was just in 2015, your junior year, in an epic game that went to overtime. And, uh, and your Wildcats able to pull out a victory 24-21. What do you remember, uh, if anything, about that football game that day at Washington Grizzly Stadium? Well, I remember all the hype going into that game. I, th- I think we hadn't won in Missoula for something like 25, 30 years. Uh, I remember going in and all the noise and I remember how close the fans are, especially in that stadium. Uh, and I actually went back and watched the highlights just the other day leading up into this matchup and I just remember how great our defense played. I think we had a pick six, and then in overtime, our defense came through with a big turnover. So it's just a crazy atmosphere, and it takes just a full team effort to win at that place. When you're on a team, any team in the Big Sky Conference that isn't probably Montana State, what is your perception of the University of Montana as you go through? I mean, is it that one where you kind of go, oh, you kind of look out the side of your eye and always kind of know on the periphery what they're up to? Oh, most definitely. Uh, when I first got to Weber State, that was like the team. Uh, Montana and obviously Eastern Washington are the, the two big powerhouse programs in the conference historically. And, you know, every week you're kind of watching what they do and looking forward to that matchup all year. You mentioned just how close the fans were. What's it like settling into that atmosphere, especially when you're in a back-and-forth game? Because Montana fans have always considered Weber State – sort of a, a rival of sorts as well, just because of the great teams that Ron McBride had last decade and you know just kind of the physical style both teams like to play with. So when you first take the field of Washington Grizz and boos are raining down and people are saying all sorts of things about your mother and your sister, what what's that experience like? <laughs> oh, it's, it's crazy. I think it even starts as you pull up on the bus. You just see everybody out there tailgating in the RVs and drinking some adult beverages and having a good time. Um, once you get into the stadium, it's, it's rocking. It's definitely the, the biggest, craziest atmosphere in the big sky. And it, it, it can affect you, I think, if you're not mentally prepared. So you definitely have to come in ready and, and not let those fans that are, you know, a couple feet away from you get in your head. Jadrian, what's it like playing for Jay Hill now that you're, you know, looking back on it on your time with him? He seems to be such an outstanding coach. What what does he do well? What what was your perception of him? Is your perception of him now? Yeah, Coach Hill's an amazing coach. He uh, first and foremost exudes confidence and he's an amazing leader. He's someone that gets you to to buy into everything he's saying immediately, and you just know that he knows what he's talking about, and it just everything he says to the team. Just really gets everybody going, and he, he's just a great, great coach to play for. 
when you guys were building it, I mean, you came to, to Weber State to play for a different coaching staff, and I know that it was a weird time at Weber State because you guys have recruited all these guys from all over the country, and then Coach Sears and, and Coach Flugrad and a bunch of those guys get let go, and then Coach Hill takes over. What were your first impressions of Coach Hill? And, and in your mind, how has he been able to preach this vision to build it now where Weber State is a perennial top-five team? Yeah, I mean, he came in. I remember the the meeting on the fourth floor, the first time meeting the guy. It was a team meeting, and he uh, came in. He was very serious. He told us his vision, and it from that very moment on, he stuck to it. Um, obviously, he's had to adapt and change and, and find his way as a coach because when I was there, that was his first experience becoming a head coach. And uh, I've definitely just from afar watched him grow into that role and He's always had the same vision and same philosophies. Um, he's got his core principles, and, and his plan to win is what he calls it. And every week you review that, and if you are able to go out and execute the things that he talks about, it's proven that that leads to successful program and winning football games. You guys had a tough year, year one, and then he started improving and proving. And, you know, then went to the playoffs your senior year. It's been Big Sky champions the last two years. It's really been in contention in the national playoffs. But how much do you think that win at Montana, That I mean, that win basically helped you guys solidify a winning season, and it was the first win in Washington Grizz for Weber State since 1987. How much did that just set the tone for uh, now what Weber State's been able to do since then? I think it definitely was something that springboarded the program to another level. Uh, back then, you had guys that necessarily didn't, believe in the fact that we were going to win games kind of went in you know half-hearted like let's give it our best and let's see what happens and after that it was like if we can go into this atmosphere and pull this off with the guys in this room anything's possible and obviously he's taken the program to an entirely different atmosphere from the winning back-to-back big sky championships now and being a national ranked team i think for three consecutive years i think anything's possible and i think anything short of the national championship would be selling themselves short goal-wise. Well, Jadrian, I'll tell you what, we really appreciate you joining us again all the way from Germany. Best of luck as you roll through a professional career uh, in Europe for this year, next year, and, and beyond, hopefully. Uh, thanks for sharing the memories, and we're excited about this game this weekend. Hopefully, are you going to be able to find a way to check this thing out? Can you watch this football game on Saturday? Yeah, I think uh, Pluto TV uh, streams the Big Sky game, so I'm definitely be plugged into that and I'll be watching. Uh, thanks for having me on. Go Cats. Coulter, the weather has turned. It is gnarly out there. It's gnarly on the roads. But in Montana, that doesn't keep us home. We go everywhere we got to go. You and I always travel for football. I'm going to be headed to some other places for Christmas, all this kind of stuff. You know what gives me comfort? I know that I'm always about 11 feet from a town pump superstore. I mean, no matter where I am in the state of Montana, you got gasoline, you got all the refreshments you need, the kids got to have, you know, a, a, a packet of gum, some chips, some water to keep them going, keep them satiated and satisfied in the back seat. And you know what other S word? Silent. Shut them up, those kids. You go to town pump and you got yourself some peace and calm in the van ride. I, sh- I should pay them $1 million for what they've done for me. I always set up that town pump right when you get over Homestake Pass. Right in rocker there because yeah. I always run out of the spray fluid for the windshield. And the mm. semis are spraying on you. When it gets cold and icy and snowy like this, you got to have the right fluids in your car. And Town Pump's got that covered as well. And sometimes you need a beer for after the drive. So get yourself a six-pack. 
Drink it when you get home. Behave yourself. But it is. It's a great place no matter what you need. Fuel, food, caffeine, water, anything. And who knows? Maybe you throw a dollar in the machine, you walk away a winner, too. I mean, you got all these different ways to recreate, stretch your legs on the highways. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a town pump near you. Town pump, Montana's best since 1953. So here we are. It's November, so it's dark in the stadium. We're winding down to it, so can you feel it? I mean, senior year here, about to play your last regular season home game, at least. So what's this feel like from your perspective? No, it's uh, it's an incredible feeling. Um, Time flies. Um, it's great, crazy to be standing here talking to you in my uh, fifth uh, season, but uh, just had a bunch of fun with all these guys. Jerry, what's going on? Want to say anything to the people, Jerry? <laughs> Jerry can get on right now. Josh Andrews, a man. <laughs> <laughs> I like these. I like these military uh, lids. Yeah, too. they're pretty. They're pretty slick. Well, this the guys that are the fifth-year seniors. You guys' journey has been so interesting. Mm-hmm. Multiple coaching staffs, multiple ebbs and flows trying to get this thing back so what's been the biggest challenges you think you guys have faced as a collective group yeah no uh i think our senior group's pretty special um just talk about a bunch of guys that have been through so so many highs and so many lows together um through things like different coaching staffs and and uh, big wins big losses and uh you know i think uh, you can you can see it right now all the hard work over the years just kind of finally coming together and uh we're just enjoying this last little ride Growing up in Big Fork, I'm sure you followed the Grizz, right? Oh, yeah. And in those days, the Grizz were dominant. So yeah. to go through a period where Montana Mead wasn't up to the standard that had been set, what was that like? But also, how motivating has that been for you guys to get it back to that standard? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, this place has such a special culture and uh, such a great winning tradition, obviously, with those uh, early 2000s teams that uh, Coach Howe coached in and, and Coach Shan played in. Um, you know, we uh, I grew up you know watching those guys play, and, it's always been a dream of mine to come here and be as dominant as uh, those guys were. Uh, obviously, it hasn't happened, but uh, we got some pretty good things rolling right now. So, I heard Coach Schillinger breaking you guys down there, and he said, you know, it's going to take full 60 minutes to knock these guys out. And that's what Weaver State was when Shan was playing, you know, all yeah. about the physicality. How much are you guys looking forward to this game? Yeah, oh, man, these are the kind of games you, uh, you, uh, um, you know, come here to play in. Uh, you know, they're a great, great opponent. Uh, they're coached well, got great players, they're physical. Um, it's going to be a, a heavyweight uh, fight. They like to run the ball early enough. And uh, Josh Davis, who knows if he's going to play or not, but they got two other really good running backs, too. So, what do you think of Weber State's offense overall? No, I think they're a great offense. Um, like you said, they got three good backs. They'll probably uh, play for just about anybody in the big sky. Um, they got a great fullback, a great quarterback, great out line. They're just uh, they're solid all over the place. So. Be a great we're, challenge for us. We're looking at pre-snap stuff. Does a team that actually uses a fullback prevalently does that change where your eyes are or you know what they are? Since it's an extra guy that you're not really used to traditionally. Yeah, I mean we're not used to that. Um, that's kind of like uh, Coach Chance had some old school football that mm-hmm. you know he was used to. Um, yeah, obviously changed some things up, but um, we got a we got a good game, game plan. And we're excited. As this thing winds down, what have you learned from this experience playing for the Grizz? Oh man, I've learned uh, I've learned a lot, a lot of life lessons, um, but. Uh, you know, it's just been such a special uh, five years for me. Um, I couldn't have asked for a better group to, to uh, be on this journey with. I'm so happy for uh, my time here. It is the fiercest rivalry in college football, and on November 22nd, Universal Athletic, Up Top Clothing, and ESPN Missoula will team together to bring you a special edition of Tutel Nuanas. Broadcasting from the Universal Athletic headquarters in Bozeman, swing into Universal Athletic to check out the Montana Football Hall of Fame, get your Grizz and Bobcat gear, and hear the best sports talk radio in Montana previewing the 119th rendition of the historic rivalry. Universal Athletic and Uptap Clothing are passionate supporters of athletics around the great state of Montana.
Here we are standing underneath the Washington Grizzly Stadium lights. It's dark, which means if it's dark at 5.30, must be November. Oh, yeah. It's closing in on it. This is almost over for you guys in mm-hmm. terms of regular season games and just in general, it's winding down. So first, Angel, how, I mean, what, what is this like? What's this experience like as it kind of winds down for you? Well, it's a very humbling experience. I think, obviously, me and Sai's career, there's been a lot of highs and lows. So it's, I think I'm really proud of the, the work that we put in. There's still a lot more to accomplish. So I'm just glad that we're, we're still playing. You know, the games we remember are played in November, so... Yeah. Can you believe it's almost over? It's surreal. And, you know, we, we, we approach each day with just a, you know, accomplish the next task type mindset. So they kind of blur in together and you never really look at it. You know, take a step back and look and it, it, it's really flying. And I don't want to I don't want to acknowledge that it's almost over, but we just got to make the most of what we have left. Your unit and this team, the guys that have been around for five years, you guys have gone through a lot, man. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on, coaching changes, the ebbs and flows of the program, trying to get back to dominance. So what have been some of the biggest challenges you face so far, Angel, just in terms of trying to get this thing back on track and try to get the offensive line back to where you know Montana's always been? I think every season personally has its challenges, so every, it's not necessarily one challenge that I remember facing. It's a, a like a... How we say a sum of challenges that we've all experienced as a team, and I think our attitude and our pursuit has directed us directed us in the in the right direction. Facing that adversity, being able to play through that adversity, through that toughness, what we go through on a daily basis in the off season these past four or five years, you know, I think really has trained us, you know, to to in, to be in this position to take on those challenges head on and uh, make the most of you know the circumstances. And yeah, so what motivates you to keep taking those challenges head on? Winning, yeah, <laughs> you know that's what it's all about. You know that's, that's that's why we do this. We want to win. You know that's the point of playing football. Everyone here, you know, is a competitive person by nature. Otherwise, it wouldn't be here. So uh, that's why we come in here every day, and, and that's why, you know, I feel like we're getting some results this year. Is is because <laughs> last year, you know, like that right. that was not fun, right? You know, so you, all off season, you got that fire burning. You know, yeah. what are we gonna do to make sure? That never happens again. To make sure we, you know, make the most out of this coming season, and that right there was was my motivation. You know, how are we gonna right the wrong and, you know, do this uh, do this right? It's impossible to ignore the winning tradition around here. I mean, you you walk up, you see the Hall of Fame, you see all the jerseys, all the guys that played in the NFL. You walk down the tunnel. I mean, it's it's everywhere. And Big Sky Conference championship trophies all over the place. So, holding the the, the rope and maintaining that standard, how important is that to you? Well, it's everything. Like you said, that that's what this university is about, this program is about. It's about winning, bringing guys to the next level, you know, a championship mindset, not even just on the field, but in the classroom and as a person, as an individual. So just upholding that standard, it's a great honor, and it's a, it's a privilege to be able to wear this jersey. It's not a right. And so I think that's the most important thing that I think a lot of us understand, you know, that, that this is a privilege to wear this jersey. And so we approach every day with such an attitude that, you know, that honors that tradition in the past, you know, and, and, and hopefully sets it up for the future. And now you guys got number three team in the country coming to Missoula, Montana for a top five showdown. This is probably everything you ever wanted. So what do you initially think just about this matchup with Weber State? I mean, this is what you what you sign up for to be a Grizz, you know. Games like this, big-time showdowns with a lot on the line and in front of twenty five or 26,000 rabid fans, you know. That, that's what it's about. That's why we all signed up. So, you know, I'm excited for it. You know, I'm excited for every game. But, you know, it's, it's cool to be in a position where, you know, you got something you got something to play for. And, you know, we're all really fortunate that uh, we put in the work to get here. And, and I think work continues. You know, they're a good team. So we got to 
you know, keep, keep prepping because it's going to be a good game. Black Friday is coming, and for the hunter or gun enthusiast on your list, the best Black Friday sale is once again at Selway Armory. Selway Armory's annual Black Friday sale is the stuff of legends, with tons of inventory at and even below cost. Put Selway Armory on your schedule and get there this Black Friday and Saturday for the sale of the year on firearms, ammunition, and accessories. Get to the store at the corner of Baxter and Jackrabbit in front of Big Sky Archery and Zero In. Selway Armory's Black Friday sale, the best there is. Uh, so a lot of teams at this level only play maybe one power five, two power fives. You guys got your second power five and your on your third game. So what's the difference, and how do you prepare for this one? Really, we, we try to prepare for them all the same way, treat them the same. Um, obviously, when you get there and the ball goes in the air, the environment's not the same. Um, but I think your mental preparation has to be sustained throughout the year, no matter who you're playing, so you don't have slippage when you're not playing an SEC Pac-12 Big 12 team. Um, but for us, we've got a young group, so it's hard. Some of these guys have played a bunch of Power Fives, but like you said, some of these guys just stand for that set under their belt. So how do you prepare them for what they'll see in Fayetteville on, on Saturday? Uh, I think the upside for these freshmen, really, is the guys we're talking about. Um, they've played against a lot of these guys in high school. And so when, you know, when they go through their recruiting process and they don't go to those types of schools, they look forward to these opportunities. So... If anything, they might be too hyped sometimes. Um, but I don't think that they'll be intimidated just because these guys played at a very high level. What's the number one thing you took out of the first two games with your team in general? A lot of new areas of growth. Um, you know, I, I think for us, you know, I've always said we're creatures of habit. And with a team like this, with this, with this youth, this inexperience, establishing the habits is really our issue right now, more so than sustaining them. Um, Habits within the game, like on yes, the floor? within yeah. the game. Um, just, you know, how you handle certain screens. And then adjustments out of timeouts. We've been doing something for 10 minutes, and now we're going to do it a completely different way for the next 10 minutes. We haven't gotten to the point where we can handle that, and we showed that Sunday. So we kind of had to just stick with, it, with the script for the rest of the game and just play as hard as we could. And uh, we're, we're kind of still there right now. You know, I'm not sure if you guys have all your NLIs in from your 2020 recruits, but overall, you know, how excited are you for you know those guys that are going to be coming in and, and joining your program? Good class. Um, I, I think there's a lot of potential, a lot of young talent. Um, you know, we're, we're talking four guys that we expect to be able to complete compete for playing time early, um, which which means there's some depth that we may not have ever had. You know, and I'm just kind of putting pieces together. I'm assuming this seems waiver got denied. Um, was that is, is that true? Correct. Okay. Is, is, is that something that we can record? Or? Yeah, if you want to. I, you know, I don't think this national news. Okay. If, you know, if I was at a Power Five, then someone would care, and he probably would have cleared. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm still, I'm, still, I'm still just trying to work. Trying to work you know, Kyle, Kyle Owens, you know, a guy there, um, you know, has, has really come on for you early. You know, what have you seen out of him and, you know, some of that stuff? His coachability. I, I like the fact that he's letting us coach him up. Um, as a freshman, you don't know what to expect. You go out for your first game, you're kind of out there. Um, I, I thought he was more aggressive the second outing. I think there's a lot of, of room for immediate growth for him as we move forward of just finding ways to be effective offensively. Uh, he's rebounding the ball. Um, and, and so I'm excited about where he's at and where he's headed. 
And do, do you think Kendall's a guy that you know is obviously going to be able to turn it on from behind the arc? I mean, I know he's been a little bit quiet there early, but you know, it just seems like he, it, he's kind of due for due for some. Yeah, he and I talked a little bit after practice. Percentages catch up. You know, I think at the end of the day, when the season's over, he'll be a 40% three-point shooter and high 40s, low 50s from the floor. Um, and you, at some point, you get hot. At some point, the rim gets big. But I, you know, for us, it's just stay patient and stick with it and continue to take good shots and go in. What's the atmosphere like at Arkansas? I'm not really that familiar with it. Is it going to be a good atmosphere down there? Or what do you expect? I'm not that familiar yeah. with it either. Um, you know, from TV, it looked like they were drawing pretty good crowds. Um, but I don't know how emotional they are or whatnot. We're going to find that out uh, when the ball goes in the air. The most iconic Arkansas teams were from back when you were playing. What do, you, do you remember anything about those teams? Nolan Richardson in the 40 minutes of hell and then those types of storylines? National contenders and a team full of NBA players. Um, and, you know, the, the talent was high. But I, I think they have that type of talent. I think they're that athletic. They're that big and strong, um, you know. And, and so it, it'll be a tough team to beat, and they play a very aggressive style of basketball. It is the fiercest rivalry in college football. And on November 22nd, Universal Athletic, Up Top Clothing, and ESPN Missoula will team together to bring you a special edition of Tutel Nuanas. Broadcasting from the Universal Athletic headquarters in Bozeman, swinging the Universal Athletic to check out the Montana Football Hall of Fame, get your Grizz and Bobcat gear, and hear the best sports talk radio in Montana previewing the 119th rendition of the historic rivalry. Universal Athletic and Uptap Clothing are passionate supporters of athletics around the great state of Montana.